This is Vaya con Muñoz with Natalia Muñoz. WHMP. Tanisha, in Tanisha Arena Executive Director of Arise for Social Justice and este community activist and leader. Um, you said in your podcast that you do unapologetic, that by the way is on Holyoke Media, este Facebook page. Um, one of the things you said, you said a lot of things that were just uh, sort of breathtaking. One of them was that every right that black people have has been through judicial interpretation. Unlike white people that uh, uh, this country had to codify, I say codify, codify, mm -hmm. codify um, yeah. basic human rights. And, and, and we're still not even there, even with these, uh, these laws, because we have a Supreme Court that is taking away our rights. Another thing you said on your on your unapologetic podcast is, um, you know, with, with the overturning of Roe versus Wade, we have lost. Well, we've lost those rights, and este, and women, we need to we need to organize. My question is, I always say this. I feel like women's problems are created by men, so men need to be part of that solution. Remember when Toni Morrison said. You know, you white people have a real problem and it's racism and you have to fix it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's the same for women's rights. Yes, we need to fight for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but what are the men? Where are the men? Minding their patriarchal business. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I would agree. You know, white folks benefit from white supremacy and racism and they have the job of dismantling that, right? Like you benefit from it. No, you didn't create it, but you, you have a lot of privileges in it and it's up to them to tear that down. And that has to be conscious choice. And the same thing when women's rights are under attack, it's usually from the men or to women who also um, for perceived safety and protection will uphold white supremacy and patriarchy, like right. Amy Coney Barrett. Right. But the That's, men, mm -hmm. the men need to show up and say, we don't have any business here. Yeah. Or realize that the business that they have there, how many times have they needed their um, womb bearing partners to not go through with a pregnancy? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. that is something that exists in their reality too. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I had a one night stand with you. I don't want to have kids, lots of things, which they could also take steps like vasectomies are reversible, office visit. And quite frankly, a woman, a womb bearing person can only be pregnant while she's pregnant. She can't be any more pregnant. But right. while that person is pregnant, the male partner can go out and impregnate as many other people at the same time. Yeah. So where should that responsibility fall? Like for birth control, right? There are lots of hormone treatments and things that are required to um, prevent pregnancy in a womb-bearing person. Yeah. Whereas just go get a vasectomy. No yeah. hormones involved. You can yeah. reverse it when you need to. Mm -hmm. A lot simpler. Or come so up with a come up with a pill. Like the women were given a pill. Come up with a pill for men. Take this pill. 
and and stop spreading your seed around and then you don't do anything you don't help raise the child right uh, you don't show up if if the woman wants to have an abortion uh, mm -hmm. what's your role and i mean i think that men need to ask themselves what can i do to be a real ally of women of mm -hmm. to really be in solidarity beyond oh wow that sucks that roe versus wade decision man that's yeah it's gonna suck when you wind up like so okay if the argument is about life beginning at conception mm -hmm. okay so then is that when child support starts because <laughs> these are these are real things right and if yeah. we turn this into an economic issue because a lot of this tends to run that way in a hyper capitalist mm -hmm. society can I get life insurance on this unborn child since life begins at conception? Those are good questions. The the woman in Texas who said I shouldn't yeah. get a ticket in the HOV lane because I'm very pregnant and yeah, you know, this is the person right here. Right. So you can't have it both ways. Yeah. And if you're gonna have it this way and you want the for forced birthing of babies, yeah. then you need to have policies that support women and children, which our country does not. Right. I mean, they always have it both ways. That's the thing. They are always have power over our bodies through policies. Mm -hmm. And we have been showing up uh, as women, a, you know, in my case, for decades and decades of just marching, showing up, going in, into the, in front of, you know, the, the White House, the State House, uh, wherever, to be like part of a like, throng of people, just mm -hmm. thousands. Remember after the the shooting in Florida of those, the, the Parkville students, and you know, just, it was like 100,000 people showed up. Mm -hmm. A lot of very young people, 20 somethings, because, and teenagers, because they know their lives are in danger. Um, but we're not having those throngs show up now. And by the way, Tarisha, I don't want a pussy hat. If anybody comes with a pussy hat for the next March, I'm going to be a very vocal opponent of that ridiculous, este, whatever that is, hat. Yeah, it doesn't, it, no, that's that performative stuff. And again, this space where feminism is not intersectional. And it, white women, we always getting on y'all because this is, it's one of those areas. And it's understanding that you are also voting against your own self-interest, your interest in womanhood, sisterhood, mm -hmm. and aligning with the men with patriarchy will not protect you. And it certainly contributes to the harm that I would experience as a black woman. But do you think then that men have to experience the danger they don't. There are no laws that regulate men's bodies or anything like ever. I mean, so how do they become? How can they become like strong allies? It's like I'm not saying let's give them, you know, all these a list of resources and here are things you can do. My view is, think about it. You come up with it. We have been serving your food for centuries. We've been putting the plate in front of you for centuries. Can you just think about it this time? Can you just think about what you can do? to be in solidarity if they, they, with women. They, 
gather up so you know i have a colleague that i work with that i absolutely adore and i'm like look go and get your people mm-hmm. gather up your white people and i think guys need to go go get your boys right like talk about this and say we have no place here what we need to do is shut this down like so in these spaces where decisions are being made about women's bodies and if they look around like there are literally no women at the table um fellas we shouldn't have this meeting. We shouldn't have this conversation. Like all the laws that we were thinking about proposing and passing, we should just stop Mm -hmm. because no good is going to come of this. If it's not something that's legit protection or you need to have the womb bears at the table. That's going to have to be. And Mm -hmm. otherwise, what, what is it? Because women are not sitting around tables talking about, hey, what laws can we institute to regulate men's bodies? We're not doing that. Well, when I think of, for instance, the Supreme Court, okay, now there's um, three women. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, este, yes. a black woman. There's a Latina, a Puerto Rican woman. There's and, there's a, and there's a Jewish woman. Oh, Amy doesn't count. Oh, she's, okay, okay. Oh, well, she over there. She's, a, right. she, she's, what is it, like, she's a yeah, handmaiden? She, yeah, she's just a... <laughs> Yeah, no, she's. Yeah, my bad. Can can you can you imagine being you know on the Supreme Court with these people, with with Amy and Alito and Brett Kavanaugh and and Clarence Thomas and who and the other ones, uh, Gorsuch and John Roberts. I can imagine being on the Supreme Court with Kachanji, Kachanji and Sonia and Elena and having great conversations and learning a lot and evolving because they really they're such deep deep thinkers but these other people they're not deep thinking no they're just upholding they got an agenda and it's important that we understand that they have an agenda Mm -hmm. right like usually what happens by the time we hear about the agenda Mm -hmm. it's already in motion Mm -hmm. and the Republican Party, the extremists in that party, they do have an agenda and it's set for what they want our country to look like. Mm-hmm. And they're not only talking about it, they're taking the steps to actualize it. They're mm-hmm. running for offices and they're winning. Right. And, and that people are right not there, they're yeah. right. We're not voting or we are not running. Like there are yeah. all these positions that are available that shape what our uh, local communities look like, what our state looks like in the country as a whole. And they're actually putting this in motion. Yeah. The appointment of all the judges on the lower courts, the Supreme Court and how that shook out. This is happening. And if we aren't diligent, they're going to get it. We will have a minority rule, even yeah. though the majority of our country doesn't want these oppressive, restrictive policies they're going to get it. Right. Because the majority of us who can vote don't vote because we don't show up in masses. Like, can you hear me? Did we get a disconnect? There was a, a delay thing for you. Like, I don't know if that's just how it comes through here, but mm-hmm. it's like good on the radio. Okay. Um, well, we'll so see. I, I when I listen to this again, we'll see what this all sounded like. But before we go to break, my my great deep thought about it was 
the, like you said, the majority of us don't want the, what the Supreme Court or what governments across the country, state houses and governors across mm -hmm. the country are doing to us. But the majority of us are still not supporting unions, showing up at public meetings, urging our board of select people or city councilors or whatever the municipalities call their elected officials. We're not pushing for ourselves. We, I think, have become uh, cynical, maybe? Cynical, apathetic. I also think that people are tired. Like in these way, like, but we can't be tired. We're we can't still be tired. in a pandemic. I hate. We can't be tired because the oppressors never get tired. I'm like, I don't know what kind of yeah. red bull they got, but they just never get tired. Right. They figured out how to do it in shifts. Because that's right. We that just have to take never late. well, take our vitamins, and yes. stay in the fight. Like my mother used to say, la lucha this is Vaya con Muñoz with Natalia Muñoz, WHMP. We're back with Tanisha Arena. Este, before we talk about this book that you commented to me that I read a little bit, I read a few, a couple of the letters in that book. Um, please tell us about your self-care in the car wash. Oh, okay. So <laughs> most people laugh when I tell them this, but it's um I love I it. Spent so, the majority of my time in a corporate space and nobody talks about self-care. They don't talk about feelings. They don't care how you feel, get the work done, get the bills out. That was the environment that I was in. And so I left that environment and got my first uh nonprofit uh sector job. Uh worked with young people and they talked about feelings and like your whole self at work. And I'm just oh, like, oh dear, what is this, what's it? Look out, ah, look I just out. work, what is, that? what is this? Hot coffee and coming my, through. My director at the time was like, so yeah, like what do you do for self-care? And I'm like, what, what's that? what you, huh? I just, I work, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> and I didn't really think about it. Like, you know, my, my coworkers are doing all these other things. And, you know, it had gotten to the point where she was like, you have to come up with something I'm going to write you up. And I'm looking at her like, you're serious. Like what? this has these kind of implications to my job. And she was like, uh-huh. So I like cars and uh, there was a car wash on the way to work. And I went there and I got a wash pass. And well, let's clarify. You like car, you love cars. Yes. I love cars. Okay. So it's not um, a like thing. It's a love yeah, thing. I love cars. Okay. Yeah. Um, I grew up, my dad's a mechanic, like car, cars were just there, right? And it's also like generational bonding thing. Um, so I got up with the car while I go in and I put the little meditation thing on and I close my eyes and go through the car wash. And it was metaphoric, right? The car goes dirty and then it comes out clean. And it's also a space where I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to steer the car. I didn't have to think about it. I could just let go. And wow, yeah. as someone who has uh, always had a lot of responsibility, the, the idea that there was a space where I could just let go of everything, mm -hmm. it's really therapeutic. 
therapeutic. And when you close your eyes and listen to the car wash, it sounds really different. So it's like, like all the different things, right? That happen in the car wash. And it's like a minute. And with the wash pass, I'm like, I could go through as many times as I want. I think when they came up with the wash pass, they thought people were going to use it like how they use their pass to go to the gym. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, 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 no. Now I had a tag to go to the gym that I didn't even use like for an entire year. My wash pass, <laughs> I used it like four or five times a day. So, and it's that thing. It's just to, to let go and yeah. be present with myself and yeah. not have a care and my car is clean and self-care you know, is important it's it's yeah. fundamental it's fundamental to us just and one of the ways and that i was think my, it's a great idea i think yeah. it's a great it, idea i've never taken my car to a car wash i feel i know I, i'm sorry no that's cool no, there were, i saw your face i, I know in <laughs> meetings and talking about my self-care and then i would see some of these people later like you know i got a wash pass and i go through the car wash too you're so right it's, it's the best yeah. thing ever and i'm like i know <laughs> <laughs> keep your car looking nice in the winter time you know all the things like it just and a lot of the products that they use actually smell nice too oh. right? we're going through and it's like oh the foamy conditioner thing smells like cherries and blah blah and there's one car wash, um, the one in Springfield actually has like all the lights and stuff. <laughs> okay, if you're not gonna do the meditation, you can find your little favorite song. It's like you're going through the disco. So <laughs> just that's- I'm that's... gonna go to the car wash. <laughs> next time, I, the next opportunity I have, I'm gonna go to the car wash. I'm gonna try this. All right, I'm just gonna close my eyes. I'm gonna let go. I'm gonna breathe deep, let all the sounds, the sounds of the, the, the water, like a rain shower. And then the those pads that sort of you know all the scrub brushes, yeah, the scrub water, all the yeah. all the things. And when I come out, yes, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. It's but almost like that, that song, "Oh Happy Day." Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we need uh, that. Like however yeah. you can get your joy, yeah, get your joy because Wash all away. these other things. Yeah. Okay, but this goes it. then. This goes then to this book that you mentioned to me. Can you please tell? I forgot the title. It's a series of letters that the author is writing to white women. Yeah, the book is called "Dear White Woman, Please Come Home." Hand me your bias, and I'll show you our connection. By Kimberly Yolanda Williams, and this came about. Um, I'd gotten an email into the Arise General mailbox from the author saying, hey, I've written this book and I, you know, seeing the work that you're doing, I'd love to share it with you. Can I send you a copy? I'm like, sure. Wow. Yeah, send me a book. I like it. And there was a point in time where somebody was sending books to Arise, like randomly books would show up. If that person Mm -hmm. is listening, thank you. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely appreciate that. Uh, So I started reading and yeah, it's a series of letters to white women talking about the ways that we were connected historically, black women, little girls. Like that seems to me the the premise so far from what I have, what I've read, where it's like they were friends playing together, waiting for each other until they weren't. And it, it kind of follows like the white girl was abducted and it's like she wasn't really abducted but it's to to talk about this divide that took place and well it was like she was abducted by the system yeah and the systemic racist system like to to Mm -hmm. friendship and sisterhood that existed Mm -hmm. before she was abducted by the system and there is this divide right and the mistrust between black women and white women 
and how that has come to pass since because of the unreliability in the ways that white women will show up or not and not see us you know in our full humanity or dismiss things that we're saying you know bite at us you know for the feeling of inferiority I guess when we show up in our brilliance and share ideas like there are so many places where we need healing as a community that that there's so much work to do and it's like at some juncture we need to have some some collective wins where it's like we can start to to heal these things and then you know thread healing through the other spaces and places because just imagine if black women and white women could authentically speak like one of the things that struck me in the book uh, the author was talking about um white women genuinely surprised that black women would want to have friendships with them to know them as people like to want to have these exchanges and it's like yeah <laughs> we're women right like we ha- we are oppressed in these kind of ways yeah. some similar some different but we can yeah. talk about that and yeah. being united in these experiences that are unique to us and to not be able to have those conversations or to have another person perceived as enemy well that's the thing that's also how that goes back to being a like to say it that way abducted by the system that there are white women like like it says in the book like you just mentioned eh, there are white women who think well i would like to approach this black woman but i don't know if she wants me to approach her and start a conversation at this meeting or at this party or in this you know at the supermarket line that's taking forever to move forward or whatever and mm-hmm. that's a I think that's also that systemic, that's that in, I don't even know if I'm saying a real word, inculcation, like being in, inculcated yeah, with this belief, it's ingrained. Yeah, and coming from these historic places, you know, um, recently I learned like white women were sold at Jamestown, right? And so their behavior is like, who can I lord over? Right, because white women will not generally upset white men, whether mm-hmm. it's their fathers, husbands, sons, brothers, mm-hmm. again for perceived safety and protection. But if they do, then they're termed witches, and that's what right. And so you here see the history yeah. of how, like, okay, I need to stay in this role mm-hmm. for my perceived safety because if I step out of this, I'll be perceived this way. I'll be harmed in this way. Yeah, I'll be and killed there hasn't been a pushback. Like we were taught to fear the witches, they the witches, right? but not the people who burn them. Exactly. And, and it's that's like, the abduction. You're the dangerous yeah. person. Yeah. You can see how this plays out now with who is perceived as the threat and danger and terror and everything else. And we know in our country, right? Not like the biggest terrorist threat is a upset white man. Yeah. And so it's knowing things like that and being able actually even to talk about that. Like what if white women could sit and talk to black women like, girl, I'm so tired of this man. <laughs> like really like, because this is what he do, girl, yes. And have these conversations and really talk mm-hmm. about coming together. But that's heterosexual women. That is true. So, and, and meeting in these intersections, right? And yeah. so as a black lesbian woman, I'm like, okay, yeah, there's a difference between black lesbians and white lesbians and trying to mm-hmm. put my finger on it, but it's culture. Mm-hmm. Because 
even though we both share a lesbian identity, it's like, but I'm black, like in black culture, black American culture looks a certain way. White American culture looks a certain way. And it's not even about color. And so there's that thing. So I'm like, okay, so I'm sitting right here, I'm a black lesbian. I don't know anything about the indigo girls and whoever and any different, I don't know. So you're not gonna find me in them spaces. I see your face. You're like, oh yeah, like I listen, I <laughs> and my hip hop. My tastes are wide. Like, I like they're cool. RG, like that's where I'm at. That's no, how I'm like, Yeah. And, yeah. and just the whole because it's 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 again what comes first. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, but, okay. so yeah, like even if we were having those kind of conversations, like the things that we need to talk about, it's like in queer spaces, yeah, yeah we might be talking about queer things but we're still talking about racial things right because that's the greater impact on our lives right it's like i can't express my queer identity if i'm dead because my black identity like nobody ever pulled me over because i'm a lesbian that hasn't happened now they might think i'm a black dude from behind and that might have had something with it oh there's a little shift but i'm still black so that's the thing that becomes primary. And can we have those conversations? Like regardless of uh, sexuality, right? Because like, okay, I have children, right? It's a white woman. Maybe, she, you know, she identifies as a lesbian. She has children. We can have that conversation about being moms and the dangers to our children, mm-hmm. right? Or the fact that her kids, she doesn't have to have a conversation with her kids about the cops and what to do. Right. But black mom does. And so she can, but she can tell her children that black your children, children not that to that, go and kill my children. Yeah, and to use your whiteness. Yeah, for good. That's right. And, and to and to recognize, to acknowledge, up. what are then the black children in your school? If there are black children in your school, to then teach those white children. Look. Maybe you all get along in school, but the children with the darker skin, they're going to have a much harder life because of their color of their skin. And mm-hmm. we need to figure out ways that we can end that. Mm-hmm. End so they're it. not having a hard time because of the color of their skin. They're having a hard time because there are people <laughs> mm-hmm. who decided that they should have a harder time. Right, like in un- really unpacking those things and naming them and starting from when they're young because the kids they will human beings will naturally integrate goons in the club case something jumps off back up for the high but the pump off in the graveyard is where you get stumped off all we want to do is party and buy everybody at the barbecue black barbie dressed in magari This is Vaya con Muñoz with Natalia Muñoz, WHMP. We're back with Tanisha Arena, and we're talking about white women can approach black women, can approach women of color to to uh, widen the people. Uh, I would love to be approached. Um, you know, you and I, Tanisha, we're bridge builders. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we should, you know, have some sort of, I don't know, like a tool belt or something. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. But I, mean, I think you can't just, I mean, I would say don't approach with 
nonsense because there do oh, white yeah. people approach white but like listen don't don't approach and touch hey like d- there are things yeah. no do not do, a, do not approach tanisha and say hey sister yeah don't do that <laughs> don't do, do that. that no don't do that and it's like you could be in close relation mm-hmm. with a uh black indigenous person of color who has bestowed that on you but that's mm-hmm. in the space that that y'all occupy mm-hmm. and calling yourself sister mm-hmm. in spaces outside of that you might get some looks because like i'm sorry what so well, because gotta- that yeah there's we all have our different cultures within yeah. our community and it's the people of those cultures mm-hmm. in my puerto rican culture we speak a certain way also and yeah we have words that we speak to each other, like Boricua, which mm-hmm. means uh, that we come from Borinquen. That's the indigenous name of our country. Uh, not Puerto Rico, but Borinquen. Yeah. But in, in the same way that earlier we were talking about how men, white men, black men, men all men need to be our allies in and take action and not just bemoan the fact that life sucks for us women and girls but actually do something right in that similar way i think that if the women who want to create these multicultural relationships friendships uh, colleagues at the office whatever uh, they need to learn our cultures they need to know who we are Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Really? Like, like, I, just like read about us, read about our history, and then you'll have a, a bigger context to who you're talking to. Because I feel, Tanisha, when somebody's talking to me, they're not just talking to me. They're talking to my mother and to my grandmother. They're talking to my ancestors. So I, I, I admit I have a lot of rage in me mm-hmm. over things that have happened. They just... Mm, in history, even the history that I was not part of, but the history where I was when I was born and then I became part of the history, white women need to know who they're talking to. And we need to know who we're talking to also, because just recognize that they're not just like this one thing. Yeah, none of us are monolithic as groups, but we can't know that we don't have conversations and they have to be safe entry points right right to to get through all the the muck and so like with the title of this book it says please come home Mm. when you think about going home home is a safe space should be a safe space Mm. right if we we can create this home that that is that where you can bring your whole self where you can make mistakes where there is grace right and and learning and care and compassion and all of the things and it's just what is going to be the entryway? I mean, there's a story in there. The author talks about being in line at the grocery store. It's like, okay, that's a common experience, like being in line at the grocery store and what can we, you know, communicate over, right? It's like, oh, there's the People Magazine or, oh, I got these groceries. Oh, this was on sale. Oh, that looks really good. Like just something to spark conversation and like genuine interest about who someone is. And can we do that? Who someone is. Yeah, who someone is. Like, which means like, I'm looking at you in line at the grocery store and I see you. I'm not looking through you or past you. Like, I see you. Mm -hmm. And I want to know 
who you are. Mm-hmm. Like a stranger becomes a friend. Mm-hmm. Or you just have that, that, that moment then in the yeah. supermarket. And it's a good positive interaction. Moment. Yeah. And then at, so in the line at the grocery store, I think the next thing that happens is the cashier asks for ID, mm-hmm. even though the credit card is signed. Mm-hmm. And then the white person behind like doesn't say anything. And it's like, that's going beyond being an ally to being an interrupter. Yeah. Things that you know aren't right. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you don't ask everybody for ID. Why are you asking this person? And no, this is not going to happen. And if I have a friend, one of my friends, uh, she's biracial, her mom is white. And she mm-hmm. talks about like, she's an 80 year old white woman. And she's like, you are not going out white woman is white woman, but she uses her whiteness in these kind of ways. And she's like, watch. Mm-hmm. And she talked about them going to uh, one of the amusement parks and they like search your bags or whatever. And there's like, the white lady tricks that, that you know and she's like oh my no this is this is this is appalling you're not going to search my nope and nothing happens right the they police are not called the security guard right. and, and she did nope you're not going to search my bag and no yeah. you're not going to look mm-hmm. through my pocketbook and then and she just mm-hmm. says these things mm-hmm. and that's it mm-hmm. and that's where i'm saying you can use your whiteness, white ladies, and interrupt all kinds of things because there are no rules in the playbook for like, well, what happens when she says this? Right. It's just, oh, okay. So in that exchange at the grocery store, if the white lady had said, I'm sorry, why are you asking for her ID? Like you didn't do that for the customer before and the customer before, this is not acceptable. And that whole line of everything, Right. The cash. Oh, I'm I'm so sorry. It would have been this whole thing, mm-hmm. and the exchange for the black woman would have been like, okay, mm-hmm. I see you. Yeah. You are interrupting right. this common experience that is an assault on who we are. Like. Vaya con Muñoz with Natalia Muñoz, WHMP. Bueno, hace tiempo que no está en nuestro programa Ariadna Goenaga. ¿Por qué? Esa es la primera pregunta. ¿Dónde tú has estado, chica? Ese es el problema. Yo no me he movido. He estado en el mismo sitio de siempre, pero con muchísimo trabajo. Claro. Um, muchas novedades a nivel personal, profesional sí. y no he encontrado el momento, de verdad. No he bueno, aquí tenemos el momento al fin. Así que, sí. ¿de qué vamos a hablar? Dime. ¿De qué vamos a hablar? De Stranger Things. Eso es lo primero. ¿Sí? Que tú querías hablar de Stranger Things, la serie. hablar de Stranger Things, que es un tema, vale, es verdad que estrenaron los dos últimos capítulos. Esta manera extraña que han hecho ¿no? para esta uh-huh. serie, uh-huh. que la estrenaron primero con, con, con siete capítulos... Sí. Y luego tuvimos que esperar un mes casi para que estrenaran los dos últimos capítulos finales de temporada. Unos capítulos larguísimos. Larguísimos, como de 60 ¿Sí? minutos, 70 no, minutos. De, creo, si no me equivoco, el último eran dos horas y pico. ¿Dos horas? El último. Y el, ah. y el penúltimo, una hora y media o así. O sea, películas, ¿eh? películas. ¿Qué te parece ese cambio de, de episodios de cincuenta y pico de minutos a episodios que son, como tú dijiste, son películas ya? 
En este caso sí, se ha notado en esta temporada que han hecho una inversión muy importante en mejorar y en tener una calidad de imágenes de recreación ¿no? de, del mundo subterráneo, ¿no? el mundo que tenemos debajo, de los efectos especiales realmente buenas. Hay, hay unas imágenes, unas recreaciones fantásticas y hay escenas dignas de la mejor película de ciencia ficción que puedas ver en el cine. Vaya, y eso, y eso que hasta donde yo enti había entendido para ti los efectos especiales en cualquier película, o sea, tú eres bien rigurosa, si van a poner efectos especiales tienen que ser excelentes, no pueden uh -huh, ponerlo uh -huh. ahí como uh -huh, hacen con todas uh -huh. estas películas de Marvel, que sí, explosiones sí, y todo. Sí, sí, no, es, sí. no, es, no estamos hablando de eso. Eh, no, no estamos tipo. hablando de un sin parar, de cosas sin sentido, para nada. Uh -huh. Estamos hablando de recreación de ambientes. Uh -huh. Y muy fantásticos, en las que los, los niños, y bueno, el grupo de amigos ¿no? y amigas tiene que enfrentarse ¿no? al, al enemigo, al monstruo este al que tiene eh, que enfrentar. rayo, espérate! Este, ¿cuál, es, ¿Cuál es la frase en inglés? Spoiler alert, no nos digas lo no, que va a pasar. Spoiler alert, todo el mundo que ha visto Stranger Things sabe cada temporada que tienen que enfrentarse a algo <risa> okay. terriblemente malo sí. y especialmente desagradable. Uy. Y, pero yo quería hablar de Stranger Things porque en esta última temporada, y es verdad que en la primera también, luego en alguna otra temporada se perdió un poco, me encanta cómo recupera lo que es el, el, el aspecto básico ¿no? de, de esta serie, que es la solidaridad, ¿no? la, la amistad entre estos niños, que son capaces incluso de las situaciones en las que la vida está en peligro y que son unos inconscientes, ¿no? o sea, un niño podría meterse en esos líos, son capaces de dar su vida por salvar la de otro. No ven el peligro que puede haber para sus vidas si el, pueden mantener al grupo unido. ¿no? Y a mí, y, y en esta serie especialmente, en esta, perdón, en esta, en esta temporada es muy evidente, ¿no? Y me gusta mucho este aspecto, porque me retrotrae un poco a la infancia, ¿no? Un poco a, la, a, a cuando tenías este grupo de amistades, ¿no? Que en verdad, pues sí, seguramente la falta de experiencia o la falta de... o la inocencia, ¿no? Te lleva a situaciones que no piensas límites o que te puedan perjudicar, pero lo haces porque te debes a una persona, ¿no? Te debes a un grupo, ¿no? Y no entras a calibrar qué beneficio, qué perjuicio voy a tener si hago esto, si hago lo otro. No, lo tengo que hacer y ya está. Y los más mayores protegen a los menores. Si tienen que meterse en uno de estos líos donde se van a meter, que tú dirías nunca, no entres, no entres. Los más mayores les dicen a los otros, vosotros esperados, vamos nosotros. Ah, ellos entran. No, no es, esto no es como el jovencito Frankenstein. Sí. Y estos episodios que son, que son mucho más largos, que son de, o sea, eh, son películas, ¿no? ¿Tú podrías verla sin saber nada de esta serie? ¿O tú tienes sí. que tener el contexto, no? A ver, lo bonito de esta serie también es que los has visto crecer, ¿no? Cuando empiezas a hacer una serie con niños, como ya sabemos todos, como en cuatro o cinco años un niño de, de 11 años que luego tiene 15, es que cambia sí. muchísimo, ¿no? Y los niños van madurando también y eso se ve, ¿no? Y los que son más mayores ahora también han madurado los personajes, ¿no? Uh -huh. Y... Y esto es bonito de ver, sinceramente. A mí me ha gustado. 
Es verdad bueno. que como en... Eh, y en esta temporada, como en todas las temporadas, hacen una estrategia de crear varios grupos uh -huh. e ir intercalando lo que le pasa a un grupo y lo que le pasa a otro, ¿no? Uh -huh. Y a veces te interesa más lo que le pasa a un grupo o la dinámica de un grupo que la dinámica de otro grupo. Esto sucede y en esta temporada sucede bastante. Uh -huh. Hay un grupo que te gusta mucho y dices, ojalá salga más lo que hace este grupo de, de personas inconscientes. ¿No? Y hay otro que dice, bueno, no me gusta tanto, no tiene tanto sentido del humor, es demasiado dramático, ¿no? Pero, como ya he dicho, esta última temporada vale la pena, a pesar de capítulos muy largos aparentemente, no es aquello de querer abusar del guión y querer alargar, alargar, ¿no? Para nada, creo que está totalmente justificado. E incluso creo que me estoy planteando volver a recuperar algún capítulo de, de los finales. Luego, hay un tema también curioso con Stranger Things, que seguro que has oído porque afirmar por todo el mundo, ¿no? Que un tema musical de Kate Bush de hace sí, no sé cuántos años. Yo me acuerdo de esa canción cuando salió la primera vez. De repente, la sí. gente la escucha y empieza a bajarse la, por sí. internet. Sí. Y. Y esta señora, por, por, afortunadamente, pues de repente gana muchísimo dinero gracias a esta canción que <ríe> Muy bien, sí, muy bien. Eh, cuando esa canción salió, creo que salió en los 80. Sí. O sea, acabó, o sea, a todo el mundo le encantó. Este, y hasta ella misma, que Bush, ha dicho que le encanta, que ha tenido, ahora que la pusieron con, con Stranger Things, que ahora tiene como una segunda vida con otra generación que pueda apreciar. Este, su música. Porque además detrás de toda esta serie, y en eso vamos a estar de acuerdo, si nos escucha gente de generaciones posteriores o anteriores, los años 80 fueron fantásticos. Uh -huh. Ok. Para mí, quizá porque sí. son los años de mi infancia, adolescencia, sí. pero yo creo que los 80 tienen una marca tan, ¿no? tan genuina, ¿no? Es una Ajá. generación... Pero tú hablas 80. de cine, tú hablas de cine o Hablo de música. de cultura, de, de música, cultura, de todo. cultura, de todo. Y creo que es, es parte del éxito de esta serie, recupera eh, a la, lo que es películas que se hicieron en los 80, sobre de Spielberg, ¿no? Sea como productor o director, E.T., Los Goonies... Que vivan los estudiantes jardín de las alegrías Son aves que no se asustan de animal ni policía Y no le asustan las balas ni el ladrar de las jaurías Caramba y samba la cosa que viva la astronomía Me gustan los estudiantes que rugen como los vientos Cuando le meten al oído sotanazo regimiento Pagarillos libertarios igual que los elementos Caramba y samba la cosa, que viva lo experimento. Que vivan los estudiantes porque levantan el pecho cuando le dicen arriba.